Coming up on Jerusalem Dateline, growing danger on the northern border as Israel and Hezbollah confront each other in a high-stakes showdown, and reservists refusing to serve in protest of judicial reform legislation. And archaeologists unveil the site where Israel's tabernacle stood for hundreds of years at Shiloh. Plus, a Jewish and Christian ministry collaborating to help a woman flee for her life from Gaza. All this and more coming up on this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Chris Mitchell. Northern Israel is facing an increased aggression from Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed terror group. Residents there fear that after 17 years of relative peace, war could break out. Behind me is a spectacular view of southern Lebanon. After the 2006 Second Lebanon War, Hezbollah has been rearming and now has as many as 200,000 rockets on the other side of the border. CBN News joined former IDF colonel and national security advisor Kobe Marome on a tour along the border. We saw an amazing rearming process from Iran through Damascus to the Hezbollah infrastructure. And we decided to not respond, decided to have a restraint policy. That's the reason why the major threat against the Israeli people today, 2023, 200,000 rockets and missiles across the border right here that can target today Tel Aviv and other Israelis. That's the major threat for Israel. That arsenal serves as a deterrent to keep Israel from attacking Iran's nuclear facilities. And Moron believes the regime has given Hezbollah a green light to turn up the heat. Uh, the Iranians have a high, high self-confidence, many diplomatic achievements lately across the Middle East. They understand that they can put a lot of pressure on the Israeli government and the IDF if they will succeed with the Hezbollah to uh, create an attrition war along this border right here. This wall serves as one of Israel's responses. They're really concerned about the fact that Israel is going to build a wall, an obstacle along the 70 miles of the Lebanese border, because their wall plan is to occupy neighborhoods from the Israeli communities along the border and, and, and actually and describe totally the Israeli war plans. Behind me is a closed military zone, and up on the hillside are the tents set up by Hezbollah for the last several weeks inside Israeli territory, the latest provocative act by the Iranian-backed terror group. The question now is will Israel destroy the tents or allow them to remain? In the meantime, Hezbollah is pushing the envelope. Propaganda videos are rampant, ranging from this simulation of an attack on an IDF outpost to intimidating military exercises. And this footage shows Hezbollah special forces patrolling the border fence in violation of the UN resolution that ended the last war. Marom also sees Hezbollah taking advantage of Israel's internal division. They look to the tough struggle inside the Israeli society as a great opportunity to create challenges to the Israeli government and to the Israeli people. Marom also fears what could potentially result from the combination of the terrorist bravado and this precarious situation. Is it possible that we face a war between Israel and, and, and Hezbollah in the near future? Yes, it's possible, with a miscalculation of one of the, of the sides. Israeli protests against the government's judicial reform plan are reaching into many areas of society, including the country's military. CBN News Middle East correspondent Julie Stahl has more on what the impact this could have on Israeli national security. 
As part of the protests, thousands of IDF reservists are threatening to refuse serving. This comes at a time when tensions between Israel and Hezbollah are on the rise. Hezbollah leaders have mocked what they see as Israel's internal weakness, stemming from months of protests, including from within the military. It's inspired the Iranian-backed group to raise tensions along Israel's border with Lebanon. So what we feel there is an attack, an attack from inside, and we feel it's much more dangerous than any other attack. Lieutenant Colonel Ron Scherf helps lead Brothers in Arms and began protesting this policy back in February. So far, thousands of military reservists, including senior officers and pilots, are joining the organization's pledge to refuse military reserve duty. Israel's defense is built on the spirit, not only on the weapons and the number of soldiers. And this spirit is being torn apart by Netanyahu and his government. The IDF's chief of staff responded that Israel remains prepared for any military challenge. Days of dispute and crisis require an emphasis on what we have in common and what unite us, the mission of defending the state of Israel. Certain military experts blame the reservists for crossing a line that shouldn't be crossed. It's devastating because, you know, it's involving politics in the army. It's something that shouldn't be done. It turns our security. Reserve Brigadier General Amir Avivi says while individuals have refused to serve in the past, this time is different. We've never seen a phenomena where ex-chief of staff generals basically backing up the idea of insubordination. It's unbelievable. It's completely against our core values. It's against our Zionistic values. It's against the values of the army. Reserve Colonel Kobe Marom, a former commander in northern Israel, fears Hezbollah could try to take advantage of the situation and make a foolish move. It's not just the Hezbollah and the Iranians. They look to the situation and say the Israelis are crazy. They're fighting each other. Their government don't have any tension to deal with other security issues. That's the opportunity. Let's, let's use it. It's not only hurting the army. It's really, really endangering Israel and might bring us on the verge of war. Avivi, whose Israel Defense and Security Forum includes some 16,000 reservists and security operatives, says one good sign is that more Israeli generals are joining him in his fight. Saying that they're fed up with this behavior and they want to really see core Zionistic Jewish values and patriotism and love for the country, I believe that at the end of the day, this is what will win. Julie Stahl, CBN News, the Israel-Lebanon border. Coming up, archaeological discoveries taken straight from the pages of the Bible. We explore ancient Shiloh, where the tabernacle of the Lord stood for hundreds of years. When do we come back? Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all of the nations and given us his Torah. Audiences are raving about oracles of God. I believe this is an extraordinarily well-researched movie that indeed speaks about the integrity of God's Word. It's a real faith boulder. It encouraged me to, to realize God's hand in preserving His Word throughout history. If God is not faithful to His Word, He is not faithful. But this shows that He is. What is it? I don't know. I thought you could tell me whether or not that genuine. I would describe this movie as inspiring, captivating, excitement. It mattered to them to get it right. Everybody should watch this movie. 
Oracles of God, the story of the Old Testament. Available now for a gift of any dollar amount. He walked with the living God and showed us the keys to the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. Pat Robertson, evangelist, humanitarian, statesman, educator, author, and visionary. Watch Pat's story and be encouraged by his many teachings. Go to cbn.com slash pat to learn more about what the Lord accomplished through this remarkable servant. As we enter the Jewish New Year, there's no better time to explore the holidays of Israel. In CBN's free guide, Israel's Major Holidays, you'll discover why these special occasions are so central to Jewish life and culture. You'll even learn about the biblical feasts and festivals that Jesus observed throughout His life. Get your free copy. Call 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Israel Holidays. Several years ago, CBN News first reported on exciting discoveries from the excavation site at ancient Shiloh. The book of Judges in the Bible tells us Shiloh was a significant place in the history of the Israelites when they came into the Promised Land. More discoveries are emerging from the archaeological site that continue to bring the Bible to life. In 2019, CBN News interviewed Dr. Scott Stripling, the director of the excavation going on in ancient Shiloh. This year, Stripling brought us up to speed on what's happened here since we first visited the project. Tell us, we were there at season one. What's, what's new? What's happened since then? Well, in season one, our, our hypotheses were just formulating. Um, we thought that we had a monumental building uh, up here from the Pier to the Tabernacle. We thought that this could be a, a gate complex because there was no glacis in this section. Um, since then, we've come way down, uh, five meters or so, maybe six meters in some places. And so now we can see the various structures that are here. And indeed, we can now uh, say that this is very likely the, the gate that's referred to in the Bible. And that's pretty big stuff. And what happened at the gate? Why, why is this so important? Well, the Bible tells us that Eli is in the gate of Shiloh when he gets the news that the Ark of the Covenant has been captured, that his sons have been killed. Uh -huh. He falls over backwards and dies in the gate. Yeah. So it's a, a, a function that's mentioned in the Bible. So we were very curious if we would come across it. Shiloh is not only where Eli lived and died, but also the place where Joshua divided the promised land between the 12 tribes where Hannah prayed for a son who became the prophet Samuel, and where the tabernacle of the Lord stood for nearly 400 years. Stripling gave us a tour of the site and took us to perhaps their most significant discovery. This is where you came to connect with God. Jerusalem remains a pagan city for another mm -hmm. 300 years. The ark is here, the tabernacle is here, and this is where you came to connect with God. Uh-huh, and you've, uh, you, you believe you've found actually the tabernacle. Well, you know, I'm not ready to, to say I know for certain, but I'll tell you what we do have is a building that is matching the dimensions of uh -huh. the tabernacle. It's from the Iron One period, which is the tabernacle period of Eli and Samuel. And you're actually standing right now, Chris, on, on this wall right here. So this entire area is this massive monumental building orients east-west and it's divided on a two-to-one ratio like the tabernacle was. Uh -huh. So east-west is what the Bible says 
it faced. That's right. The Bible says that. And two to one, what does that mean? Well, the holy place and the most holy place. Yeah. So the, the holy of holies, if we're correct in our theory, would be right in here. This between these walls would be where the Ark of the Covenant was. Yes. Can we go in? Let's go. Come on. <clears throat> All so right. what so are we walking into right now? This, this is the, the wall that would separate the holy from the most holy. Okay, so you're entering into the holy of holies. All right, so there's this big wall on your right. Down here, you can see where we've reached the bottom. This is preserved to 2.1 meters, and this is floor level. So this whole area in here, about where we're standing, come on with me here. All right. You're probably standing where the Ark of the Covenant was. Why does that suit you? <laughs> it makes me feel, uh, well, profound for yeah. one. Well, yeah. me too. Yeah. Um, How do you feel when you're here? There's a sense of awe. I just have to tell you, uh, professionally as an academic, it's I'm in awe. And then as an evangelical Christian, I'm in awe, you know, to, to have the privilege to be able to excavate a site like this. What I take from this is that God did something in history. He recorded it for us in the Bible. We have evidence of it here. One of the great things about our faith is that you can question it. You know, God's ego isn't bruised. People have questions, viewers do, that's honest, you know, express those. And I would just invite people to look at that evidence. And if they've bought into the idea that the Bible's mythology or it's not historical, I would encourage them to look at what we're finding here at Shiloh, read the text, pray about it, decide for themselves. And so this is where the Bible comes to life? This is what we do. Mm -hmm. We don't just walk the Bible, we dig the Bible here at ancient Shiloh. Mm -hmm. As we dig into the soil, we are literally seeing the evidence of what life was like in biblical times. And nearby, you also have a bone, a site of bones. Can we well, I'll tell you what, we're in the bone business, Chris. <laughs> Come on, I'll show you what it's all about. Okay. <laughs> Up next, more of how the Bible is coming to life in the ancient city of Shiloh. 2023 marks Israel's 75th anniversary. Wanting only a homeland of their own, the Jewish nation has survived war. I was so scared. Terrorism. And so my husband covered in blood. And waves of anti-Semitism. It's a message of killing Jews. You can stand with the nation of Israel and support their basic right to exist through CBN Israel. Your donation makes it possible to give humanitarian aid to Israelis in crisis while simultaneously reaching millions worldwide with breaking news and award-winning films that tell the true story of the Jewish people. Will you stand with Israel during their 75th anniversary? Call 1-800-265-0996. Go to cbn.com slash support Israel or text CBN Israel to 
Download the CBN News app 24-7 news from a Christian perspective at home or on the road. One place for all of your news. Breaking news alerts. Set daily prayer goals and pray for news stories. Read the most important news and watch CBN News Channel Live. CBN News, because truth matters. Go to CBNNewsApp.com to get the app today. In our look at part two about the excavation at Shiloh, we'll see the bones from the animal sacrifices and hear more from the remarkable team doing the work. And this path is going to lead us to where the bone deposit is that we've been talking about. So this, the, the people working over here are doing something they'll never forget the rest of their lives. I mean, they are uncovering evidence of the sacrificial system. These were animals that brought expiation. I mean, it brought about the forgiveness of sin for people mm -hmm. as they connected with God in this manner. So you'll see it for yourself, the pottery and the bones, they tell an unmistakable story that matches what we read in the biblical text. This entire area underneath our feet, Chris, this is unexcavated. Underneath your feet and my feet is about this much of solid bone waiting to be excavated. Bone on top of bone on top of bone. And we have microstratigraphy in this area so we can see that the deposition is laid down over a long period of time, just like the Bible says. And what kind of bones would we find here? Sheep, goat, cattle, and disproportionately from the right side of the animal. It's like just this morning, we're seeing disproportionate jawbones from the right side as opposed to the left. You described it before, but again, why is the right side so significant? Well, the priests are the ones who live here, and Leviticus 7 tells us that the right side of the animal is the priest's portion. So I can't make this stuff up, you know? You got 100,000 bones and they're disproportionate. Give me another explanation. Mm. Just happens to coordinate with what the Bible says. At the end of the workday, a shofar sounds. That's when all the staff and volunteers gather to wash the day's finds. CBN News talked with some of the team that makes the excavation happen. The dig includes people from 13 countries and 16 universities. It's just been an amazing experience. Um, it's just kind of sends chills on your, up your body some days um, because you just think about the people that have been here before you. The further down we dig, it just is even more impressive. It's just been an awesome experience. Susie Skypes is digging in what may have been the Holy of Holies. I mean, I never thought that I'd be standing here or sitting here or digging here. Um, it's just been um, something that, you know, you read about in the Bible, but who would have ever thought you'd have been here in person? You've been here since the very beginning. What is it like for you to be here and, and to see what you've uncovered? It's really changed the way I read the Bible. Um, as I've come, I've been coming and excavating and, um, or even just being in the land and learning the routes and the, the ancient roads. And when I read the Bible, I can picture it. I, I read, you know, about Shiloh. I read about Eli and Hannah. And, and I, I know where that happened. I, I can picture it. Um, and it's just here. So for me, it's very impactful. And it's, it's really changed my understanding uh, of some of those details in the Bible that you might just read over and gloss over, um, but they really make a lot more sense to me now. Jordan oversees the dig at the sacrificial bone deposit. I, I dig here and I, I uncover these things. Being a believer, um, you know, I see these bones of uh, this, this sacrificial system that, 
that for centuries people came and, and gave this offering that they knew they were going to have to come and do again every year, this constant, constant sacrifice. Uh, and just knowing that Jesus came to, to fulfill that, just it brings you know all of this full circle and really does, it's humbling to me to do this. The excavation uses some of the latest innovations in archaeology, including wet sifting on site, which allows them to uncover many more ancient artifacts. The work is meticulously documented with the latest technology. The day's finds are identified and cataloged. They expect to be on-site digging for several more years. Why is this so important? Well, I think there, there's a an arena of ideas, and we're a part of that whether we want to be or not. And this idea that the Bible is not a reliable historical source is a fantasy that uh, has been fabricated and many people have bought into this. They don't think that they can trust the Bible. Um, I'll tell you what, the Bible is my go-to source in this part of the world. These are biblical sites. And time and time again, we find a correlation between what we have in the text and what we find in the material culture. And so while we publish scientifically and peer-reviewed journals and final publications, I think it's also important that our interpretations um, reflect that the, the biblical text can be trusted. And what's the lesson for us today? Well, if you could trust what God did in history, then you can trust Him today, and you can trust Him for tomorrow. Still ahead, a daring escape from Gaza. See how a Jewish and a Christian ministry team up to rescue one woman whose life was in peril. Experience God's power in Superbook's Summer of Faith. Three stories of God's miraculous protection for those who hear His voice and believe what He says. You'll receive this special bonus pack with Gizmo Go, Return of the Flying House. Rig, tilt the electromagnetic coils back 30 degrees. Join the CBN Animation Club and get Gizmo Go, Return of the Flying House, plus two copies to share with others, all for your gift of only $25. And as part of our Summer of Faith bonus, receive three Superbook episodes demonstrating God's awesome power. Every Gizmo Go show contains a Bible-based story, a karaoke version of an original song, and much more. Gizmo here probably spent years trying to bring us home. Technically, it was me who brought you back. Years? Come on! Join the CPN Animation Club, and for a limited time, receive the Summer of Faith bonus as our way of saying thanks. Here, we're committed to a heritage of rigorous scholarship dating back over a thousand years. And to a faith tradition dating back a thousand more. This is how we create a culture of inquiry where no topic is off limits. And a culture of hope. Anything's possible! It's Christian leadership. And it's changing the world for the better. It's higher learning. It's greater knowing. It's what makes us whole. It's what makes us regent. If you're tired and exhausted all day, you can't think clearly, and you really just need a cup or even a pot of coffee to get through your day, then join me, Dr. Josh Axe, for this new series where I'm going to teach you how to transform your diet and use essential oils and supplements to get a better night's sleep. Wake up to your best life. Call 1-800-700-7000 to get your free DVD or booklet of Protect Your Sleep today. 
Two ministries, one Jewish and one Christian, teamed up recently to rescue a Christian woman from Gaza. Their partnership is helping one woman begin a new life. Pastor Stephen Corey waits for Dina, who's traveling all the way from the Gaza Strip to the West Bank city of Bethlehem. Alhamdulillah, salami. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. You are safe now. Thank you. Yes, I am. Prior to their meeting, Pastor Corey told CBN News why Dina needed to leave Gaza. A Muslim man murdered her Christian husband over a piece of property. What started off as as a little dispute of this is this is my the my store as a storefront as a Christian owned storefront led to him saying that well I'll just take it from you, and that led to him being stabbed seven times, leaving her with no kids, no one. She was all alone, and we helped her get out of Gaza, escape Gaza as an under humanitarian uh, flagship. What may have happened if Dina had stayed in Gaza? Reports uh, have come to us from her and the people around her that she was next, uh, most probably, on the target list. That's when David Nekrutman of the Isaiah Projects, a ministry helping Christians discover the Hebraic roots of their faith, joined Pastor Corey. But we felt because she has no kids in Gaza, her family lives outside of Gaza, for her to be a 61-year-old widow living by herself, surrounded by some radicals in her neighborhood, the safest thing for her was to get out of Gaza. Janet Kane is CEO of the Isaiah Projects. Immediately, I made a connection. Being a widow myself, I can't even imagine the circumstances that Dina was going through with being a widow and in such a hostile environment that that immediately my heart went out to her. And so I said, yes, we'll do whatever we can to help her and to meet her needs and get her through this stage. Pastor Corey Nekrutman and Kane plan to stay by Dina's side as long as necessary and see her as a voice for the persecuted. And we're seeing her future to be a voice, not only for the widow, the widows and widowers, but to be a voice for those that are suffering for the faith because of what she's gone through, her experiences and her standing strong in Gaza and not backing down from truth. She's a, she's a voice, she's bold, she's courageous. Actually, it empowers the community to be to be bolder and stronger. So that's our that's our hope, that's our heart, and we need right now people to stand with us to help us envision secure the next 2 to 3 years for her. Why did you feel so compelled to really help Dina? Uh, many people ask me this question. I'm like, as a Jew living in Israel, uh, I always say covenant land comes with covenant responsibility. I can't be who I am as a steward in this land that has sovereignty and partial of this land unless I help out the other. I would say most of our commandments in the Hebrew Bible is rooted in that principle of understanding the other. So if you have a marginalized community here in the Holy Land, and specifically in Gaza where you have less than a thousand Christians living there amongst 1.8 million Muslims, and they're not first-class citizens, they're second-class citizens, wouldn't it be my duty to help? So when you ask me a question like this, I'm like, of course you help. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what I was brought up and how I was raised. First and foremost, we always covet everyone's prayers because that is what paves the way for anything we do here. 
And we need your prayers and support. And like I said, the other night I was with Dina personally, and I will never forget her grabbing hold on me and saying, please don't forget me. So that's that's what I ask our supporters to do, not to forget this woman in need. And if of all the scriptures that is repeated the most is to care for the orphan, the widow, and the sojourner. And so that is what we're doing. We're actually carrying out the commandment of scripture right here in the Holy Land. What a great example of Jews and Christians coming together here in the Holy Land. Well, that's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can also access CBN content through our CBN News and other CBN apps. And don't forget to sign up for our email blast so you can continue to receive all of our exciting CBN content. I'm Chris Mitchell. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.